0: Warning! It is the opinion of the Forestry Productions LLC and the Working Perspectives Podcast that we should inform you that some of the language used in this recording could possibly be considered offensive. You have been warned, so if you decide to listen to the recording, then don't complain about the language. stopping by today we're going to talk to some real people about some real things living real lives doing real stuff this is the working perspectives podcast i'm matt lavelle accompanied today by Jalen dubb justin richardson the hard stopper janna and our guest today is the one and only chad marks in case you're wondering you can find all our stuff and all our content on all podcast platforms and youtube at working perspectives podcast yeah, on us on Instagram at Working Perspectives Podcast, and you can join us on the Twitter and the TikTok. The at Working Pea Pod. If you'd like to be a guest on the show, please email us at workperspectives.gmail.com, and please like and subscribe so we can keep bringing you this sweet, sweet content. J-Dub, how we doing, baby?
1: Doing good. Doing great.
0: Love it. janay how are you?
2: Doing great. Doing good.
0: Good. Well, speaking of being good and great, this is the Working Perspectives Podcast. Let's get this thing started. Let's go.
1: It's all objective to be effective. By voice and societies working, perspective, exploring your day and how you get paid. Launching a new episode. Every Tuesday take can transform while we inform with new episodes available on every platform So check out Subscribe. We're just sharing. We're just sharing.
3: We're just sharing. We're good
0: All right, on the show today, we got the man, the myth, the legend—that is the one and only Chad Marks. We're going to get some background on Chad. But real quick, Chad, thank you so much for coming on. Super excited to have you. Before we get started, I would just like to ask, what movie do you think is better, The Godfather Part 1 or The Godfather Part 2?
4: <laughs> well, you're going to probably think I'm nuts when I tell you this, but I'm not a movie guy. You know what I mean? But, <laughs> like, you know, I had spent 18 years of my life in prison, so movies wasn't my thing.
3: Yeah. <laughs> but, you know,
4: back then, I'll tell you, I think Carlito's Way was one of my favorite all-time movies. And, Classic. And uh, absolutely love both of them movies, man.
0: Yeah nice all right so then that'll be number two by default and then uh <laughs> what about cheetos do you like crunchy or puff
4: crunchy cheetos but you know what being in jail all the years another yeah. jail thing yeah i used to love cheetos dude when i went to prison after two years of eating cheetos can't i can't even, even look eat at them one anymore. it used to be my favorite thing dude
0: yeah my uncle's like that he did some time he did like seven years right nothing crazy and then but he like he'll never play cards with us like when we're playing cards he's just like i'm not i'm done you know what i mean like he's not about that anymore but okay, nice. What about pancakes or waffles? Oh, um, damn.
4: That's a hard one. I like them Belgian waffles, bro. Dude.
0: <laughs> you and me both, pal. All that right. One. Nice. And then chocolate or vanilla? Vanilla. Vanilla. Love it. Justin, you're just striking out stones or beetles? Oh, man, that's not really tough. my
4: thing, but you know what? I I got to say the beetles cuz of my parents. Ooh. Me too,
2: beetles.
0: Yep, nice. And then okay, this is the big question, Chad. This is going to separate like this is where we find out who you are as a person, all right? When it comes to eating wings, are you drums or are you flat?
4: Drums, and I love wings, bro. Yeah.
2: Right in the drums. Yay. Fucking right.
0: Beautiful. Nice. Get so, you I'm, a shirt,
2: get you yeah. a shirt.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, perfect. All right, so like you alluded to before, you had done some time in prison. I'm going to let you uh get m- more detail but from what we've researched on you uh you were you know you were peddling crack right and right or no am i not allowed to (laughs) say that
4: you're right you're right this guy's a crack dealer no 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 no. listen
0: you only have have an
2: hour we got to get straight to the point
0: yeah 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 yeah. i'm trying to shoot shoot these ducks down but no you were so you grew up in rochester you grew up in you know you didn't have you you know you kind of were trying to make money to survive right And one of the things you did is you were selling drugs and one of the drugs you were selling, you started with Coke, right? And then Coke to crack, right? And then you were busted with crack and with guns. And at the time, the crack charges were like ultra severe, right? and. So you got with all the charges combined, we sentenced to 40 years and what you were 24, 23, 24 years old, 24 years old, 40 years in prison, bro. I mean, That's it. Oh, I when, when, like when we were when like, when I was so, yeah, you know, we're going to have links to all your YouTube channel and then like all your episodes, your audio book, everything like that. Blood on the razor wire, fantastic stuff. And I, I caught wind of you when you did your interview with Johnny Mitchell on the Connect. And man, when you said that, like I instantly thought of where I was when I was 24. And if I was sentenced to 40, I mean, bro, oh my God, that like, what was that like? Because you said you alluded to it a little bit. Even in your book, you talk about like, you you know, like you, you're just, it's, des- it's, you just decimated. And, You know, one of the great lines you had from the book is you taste the salt from your tears as you look away from your mom and head to the back of the courtroom and ask, right? Like, what was that like?
4: I mean, it's devastating. I mean, you asked me to give you a little rundown. So here, I'll give the people a rundown, all right?
3: Love it, love it.
4: My name's Chad Marks. I'm from Rochester, New York. At the age of 24, I was arrested by the federal government. Eventually, I would go to trial on a crack cocaine conspiracy along with two guns. A lot Mm -hmm. of people don't know this, but I ended up getting 40 years Mm -hmm. for one. A 12-gauge shotgun, I got five years for that. I got 25 years for a 22 rifle and 10 years for the crack cocaine. Yeah. Um, you know, I get sentenced to 40 years in federal prison. 40 years are going to pretty much do about 35 with good time. Eventually, Donald Trump would, you know, become the president. Yeah. He would pass what's called the First Step Act. The First Step Act changed a bunch of things and gave federal judges the power back to resentence people if you can show extraordinary and compelling reasons. And I did that. And my judge ended up resentencing me after, you know, I did 17 years, five months, 21 days straight. He would resentence me. I've been out almost about two and a half years. Um, ended up with my ex, back with my ex-wife. She had to go on with her life. I had 40 years. Yeah. We ended up getting remarried. We just had two little twin boys. Um, while in prison, I became what some would say the best jailhouse lawyer in the whole system. Yeah. I've helped over 100 men and women get out of prison. While in prison, I got a college degree. I taught numerous courses, but I wasn't always a nice guy. I was right. in the most dangerous prisons in the country. Yeah. Um, the government had alleged that I was a white gang member at one time for many years, mm-hmm. and then they said that you know I stopped the gang stuff and started to educate myself. And mm-hmm. the last ten years, I pretty much turned my life around. Mm-hmm. Ended up going from a maximum. I was in the most dangerous federal prison in the country, hands down.
0: Is that Big Sandy you're
4: talking it about? Was USP Big Sandy. Jesus. I spent you know a lot of time there. I've been in other. Where
1: is uh? Where's Big Sandy? Inez, Kentucky. Okay. Okay.
4: So when you go to federal prison, they can send you anywhere. I've been in Louisiana. I've been in Florida. I've been in New York. They they ship you wherever. But I've been in some of the most dangerous prisons in the country. I don't care if it's state prison, federal prison. Some of your viewers might think, oh, federal prison's a nice place. Not even close. People are murdered there. People are stabbed there. Big Sandy. It was almost like you know, not to make it sound like oh, it's so treacherous, but it was. I mean, people were stabbed all the time there. People were. I mean, there'd be two or three stabbings a week. Sometimes two or three in one day.
1: When they transfer you, do they? is it via bus or do they they don't fly people do they
4: oh yeah of course it's they like it's like kind of air, right? um i've flown to prisons that were close i've you know i drove one time from oklahoma and i thought well you know we're going to louisiana it can't be that bad mm. handcuffed around my waist it took about 13 hours to the prison i'm shackled Ugh. handcuffed and i was always transported with a black box right not everyone in the feds gets that but i had some prior assaults during pre-trial i was a pretty uh it was an animal at one time, man. Just vicious, just just a bad dude.
0: So you talked about that in the what? book. You were put on. You had the black box put on, and you talked about how they threw the black box on another guy while you're taking a trip. What is the black box? Is that like just to ret- re- like did like restrain you completely, or what's going on?
4: So when you got that, you know, when you got handcuffs on, you can move your hands, right? Right. Move yeah. around a little bit, and mm-hmm. usually you're cuffed to your your, your stomach, your waist, yeah. but you can still move your cuffs. Yes. When they put the black box on, you're like this. Oh. So if you try to eat the sandwich that they give you or the bat, they give you bags of water in little plastic bags. Yeah. You got to bite it and you got to go.
3: Oh, <laughs> so the black man. box,
4: it, it, it's right to the bone, man. And it, it hurts, man. If you've got to scratch, you can't even, you just
2: can't move. You can
3: yeah. Imagine
4: being like oh. that for
2: 13 hours.
3: Gosh.
2: Sounds awful. Oh, that's
0: tough. It is. <laughs> God dang. Yeah. And that, and dude, imagine that at 24 years old and you're so. You so you would. OK, so you get sentenced and you're you know, they transport you to uh like you were in you were in a state for a little bit and then you went to Big Sandy, right?
4: Yeah. I, I mean, I was in the county jail. Mm-hmm. I was actually in an immigration facility. Some dudes tried to they didn't try. They escaped from our county jail. So they ended up moving all the federal inmates over to an immigration facility. Um, then I ended up in a place, a private prison in Youngstown, Ohio, mm. pre-trial, which was a vicious, vicious place. Mm. I mean, you couldn't tell who you couldn't really tell the difference between staff and prisoners over there. No, mm. shit. You never locked in. Um, it was just it was a wild, wild place. Extreme violence, not a not a nice place to be, man.
0: Yeah. When and you're at that age too, like you're at like at twenty-four, you're still so impressionable and like you know, like some could say like easily manipulated. So when you went in, like in the book, you talk about that you had, you know, it's it's very segregated by race, the prisons. Everything's segregated by race. And you go in and right away there's a white guy and he asks you like do you want to sell with this dude he's a young white kid who acts like you know like a brother or you can go with this older white dude who's a little crazy but because he goes to bed early and he wakes up early and stuff (laughs) and you ended up going with the older guy and that would be mr young right and look looking back on that have you ever thought of what if you went the other way? What if you picked the young guy? Where would you be? What would happen? Because Mr. Young, he would, like, it seems like he would say, like, no, don't be stupid and all this stuff. But kind of some things you took his advice, but sometimes not, right?
4: Yeah. yeah. I mean, if I would have went in that other cell, eventually, you know, I could already tell. The other kid was from my city, too. Yeah. My kid he was in the he was in the New York car, the black New York car at the time. And I I knew that, you know, if I went to sell with this kid, I'd probably end up there would be an issue probably and it wouldn't take long because, you know, he was he, you know, he tried to act like he was a tough kid and Yeah. you know, I was a tough kid for real. Yeah. And you know, we would have had an issue for sure. And you know, maybe I would have maybe he would have got me, maybe I would have got him because he would yeah. stab you without a question. He would he would stab you. Oh, so, shit. You know, I might have ended up out of Big Sandy a lot sooner than I did.
0: <laughs> yeah, but you might have be I mean So I'll tell you this. So I want to shout it out. We'll have a link in the description. Blood on the Razor Wire is your book. And this book is fantastic. And I'm not like we were talking about it pre-show. The description you have in the book, it's so good that it seems like it's fiction. You know what I mean? Like that's how good the description is and the detail. It's phenomenal. And you talk about some of the violence that occurs at big Sandy. So you would said like, like right, right away when you got there, there was a guy jumped like the, the couple day like right before and stuff. But you mentioned the word car and car is slang for like group or gang or click. Right. And you, in the book, you talk about it. You were like, like, and pe- and Kelly, the guy, Kelly would tell you no gangs, whatever you do, no gangs right what is the fear because you think like they say like okay yeah you're white all the white guys stick together but don't join a gang right like what is and not all the white guys did stick together but what was like the big fear or the no-no of like hey you don't join these gangs you know what i mean
4: well you know really man this is how federal prison works right you got a lot of white supremacist gangs not necessarily not all of them are racist yeah but you know the white gangs were like imposing their will imposing you know you know we got the we got the numbers. So if we yeah. got the numbers, we got the power. Yeah. And it was kind of like being from the East coast, we had an East coast car, right? So there's a bunch of white dudes in the East coast car, but our shot caller ended up taking a bunch of other people and mm-hmm. from down South. And we just became what was called the independent car. But mm-hmm. so we are like, look, we're not letting white gang members push us around, do whatever you want to us. It's just, that's not how it's going to work. Mm-hmm. And now we had the numbers and what we became was we became a white gang,
3: right? Yeah.
4: Yeah. Now, now we had the numbers. So, you know, they, it's, it's like they hate each other. It's crazy because it's like the independents hate the white gang members. You're always, you know, you always want to clash with your own people when you probably shouldn't be that way. There is more strength in numbers, but that was what, you know, that's the situation there. Are people are in there with 40 years, 50 years life. You know, people are actually looking for reasons to do stuff to people. Like they yeah. feel good about it. It's part of prison life. Like yeah, that's how they, they pass their day. Yeah. And I've been involved in situations where know the shot callers like yo look man we're gonna smash this dude and i'm just kind of thinking in my head like smash him for what well he sat at our table he disrespected us he should have never sat there and i'm thinking in my head like this dude's like 50 years old he's like reminds me of one of my uncles like we're gonna beat this dude up because he sat at our table are you serious a table that we really don't own yeah you know people would always look for reasons and in every race bro black spanish um you know i don't care what group you're in people were looking for you know, problems in there, man. And un- it's unfortunate, Yeah, but yeah. you know, involving it, getting yourself involved in a gang. It's just, you know, it's like, Hey man, there's two sides here. You want to be a white gang member? You want to be a white independent, but really you're a gang member, no matter what you, what, right. You.
3: Yeah.
0: Yeah. The independence ended up being a gang. Yeah. Like you're saying, and you had, you would talk about it too. The one guy, your shot caller of the independence, he would eventually be given out like Ronald Reagan speeches, getting you guys hyped up, ready to go. Right. Like, by the time you get to like chapter like 11, 12, like that area, that guy is like, he's, he's, I mean, he was like, we're taking like, cause I guess the, the white boy, dirty white boys. Right. I get like, I think no, from what it seems, no one likes the dirty white boys. right? <laughs> <laughs> like, so well, they, let me he,
4: tell you, let me tell you a little history on that though. I did a video on it the other day. But okay. that's because the Dirty White Boys were at the top of the food chain once upon a time in federal prison. They became the biggest white gang in federal prison, right? Mm-hmm. And it was and people are like, well, "What about the Aryan Brotherhood?" Well, yeah, I mean they they just didn't have the numbers in state prison in California, all of that stuff. But when you get to a Fed joint and there's like two ABs on one yard, you're like, they don't really have they don't wield the power. You know what I mean? Yeah. Federal prison. So you know the DWBs ended up becoming probably one of the biggest white gangs. And when you're at the top of the food chain, other people dislike you, right? Mm-hmm. I mean. Look at the president, you know, president Trump, people hated him. Just, you know, he's at the top yeah. um, now Biden people hate him because you know, you're at the top. Yeah. But when you're at the top, other people despise you. They start making their own groups. Them dudes ain't going to tell us what to do. They ain't calling the shots here. Yeah. So people, you know, despise the DWBs. And eventually, you know, on the video I talked about the other day, there's a kid in in my unit, Mikey Eck, and they end up, you know, stabbing him in the face, stab him in the eye just because we don't like them DWBs. Them dudes are scumbags. They're extorting good white dudes. Yeah, and, you know when they're saying that shit, you know the same dudes that were saying that once they got power, they became the dudes extorting right. the white dudes. You know what <laughs> yeah, I mean?
0: exactly. yeah, man, that's I mean, oh gosh, and you know you do you you do talk about that stuff and everything in the book, which you know we'll have a link in the description, and the the video you're talking about is available now on your YouTube channel, Blood on the Razor Wire. So very 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 highly suggest checking that out. So like you're saying though, you're in there, and when you're real young, right? Like, are you looking for, like, what are you, like, it's, you're really in survival mode when you're in there, right, and you're going through day to day, and you're trying to, like, pick things out, but you're not trying to start shit, and you're, you know what I mean, like, you're just kind of staying, staying light, but eventually something would happen to you, right, like, you, you got stabbed in the face, right?
4: Well, I ended up getting stabbed in the back. I got stabbed in the back at at another Mm -hmm. prison. Um, When I was in state prison, I ended up, I was stabbed in the face in state prison. Um, But that's a whole other story, right? (laughs) Yeah. Um, But I I ended up getting stabbed in state prison in the face. I did two years in state prison, came home. I was Mm -hmm. home 14 months, became a crack dealer like you said uh, (laughs) i end up with a 40-year sentence i was only home 14 months and ended up with 40 years yeah yeah eventually i do end up getting stabbed in prison but not at big sandy that was in another prison
3: okay but i do
4: end up getting jumped at big sandy okay by a kid named ace who had the independent car yeah he wanted the independent car ace would eventually be shot from the gun tower, stabbing someone else a year after my incident.
3: Oh, yeah. my.
4: They shoot him in the back with an AR-15. They blow his guts out of his stomach. The nurse is on the ground, cleaning, like, trying to get the dirt off his guts and stick them back in his stomach. But
0: Ooh, he, uh. he ends up
4: dying at Big Sandy and, you know, blood left on the razor wire.
0: That And that's crazy. Like, you're saying that that was such a regular occurrence, though. Right. Like i remember, like when you told that story about Ace, because what had happened was it was like these two other guys in the weren't like from Ohio or something, weren't feeling him. And they went to jump him. Right. And he the one guy runs away and he gets the other guy gets on top of him is going at him. Right. And then Ace gets shot that just and then like after that you list like a couple other things that happened and that just seems like it was something that was so prevalent that happened all the time were there times ever where you're like all right i think everything's going to be good today or today it seems like a light day or was it always like on your toes <laughs> like hackles up you know
4: dude every day is a dangerous day in federal prison right it's not camp good day special times yeah if you're in a maximum <laughs> security federal prison i don't yeah. care which one you're at if you're in Pollock in Louisiana, if you're in Beaumont in Texas, if you're mm-hmm. in Atwater mm-hmm. in California or Victorville or Big Sandy or McCrary, every day is a dangerous day. Mm-hmm. I would be happy when they used to have fog counts, right? In the fall, it gets real foggy. You know, they come open the doors and then they'd be like, okay, lock back in. You'd be locked in till 839, maybe 10 o'clock in the morning. That's the only time you could really sleep in, right? Mm-hmm. And then, you know, they let you out, run breakfast and then send you to work. But whenever there was a fire count, I was like, thank God I'm getting locked in a cell i'm in here with mr young i'm good mr young ain't gonna attack me he's about 60 something years old yeah. i'm not gonna attack mr young and we can go ahead and go to sleep and get some rest and it's not even physical you know you're not just exhausted physically but you're yeah. exhausted
3: mentally, man. because
4: you're always day.
2: thinking always looking always on your toes
4: and because of that you know i did all that time but even now, when I go to a restaurant, I want to sit with my back to the um to oh, the wall. and watch people that come in, especially with all this crazy shit going on in the world now, right?
3: Yeah, I want sure. to be
4: able, to, you know, see. I'm in the post office a lot because I own a paralegal and prison consultant firm,
3: mm-hmm. so
4: I'm always sending out stuff. But the door beeps when you people walk in, bing bing, and I'll always look, you know, and I and I find myself, you know, the clerk's here, and I find myself to the side where I'm watching this person. If they're a young person, usually old people, I'm like, all right, we're cool.
3: But,
4: um, <laughs> I'm always watching, man. We go to yeah. Walmart. It's dangerous, man. Yeah. And I and even with my wife, I tell her, Look, man, if anything ever happened, this is what you do. You mm-hmm. you 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 don't just start you go to where that shipping and receiving is. You know, where in the grocery store where the dude that's doing the meat, mm-hmm. he's coming out of that door, there's a there's a loading dock back there. And that's where we're going. We're getting a out of here you know what yeah I mean?
3: yeah yeah absolutely so, you know, i'm
4: mindful but it's because of prison man mm-hmm. i watch people i watch people's movement you know it just it, you learn that stuff dude it's like natural that you learn and you can tell when you know there was a, there was an incident about him um, about two months ago in the in the post office where this dude's in there on the phone talking about i'm about to i'm about to blow this dude's head off and, and i'm like i'm watching this cat and i'm thinking in the moment i'm on post-supervised release i'm on federal probation parole yeah. right yeah. And I'm thinking to myself, man, should I grab this kid? Like, I really thought, like, I'm going to grab this kid by the throat, you know, put him yeah. in his, I'm going to do something to this cat. And I'm like, man, you know what, I'm just leaving. I'm not even checking out my mail or nothing. And if I wasn't on parole, just because the way the kid was talking, I probably would have definitely, I was a little little scared, you know what I mean? So I yeah. was going to grab him, dude, and I didn't but that's only because I was on parole. And then later on, you know, they know me at the post office. So I had asked the lady, what was up with that kid the other day? You know,
3: Mm -hmm.
4: she's like, Oh, he always comes in here starting shit. Um, he's got mental health problems and they called Ah. the police and I'm like, Oh, okay. But you know, like I'm always just, I'm always mindful, bro. You know what I mean?
0: You know, what's crazy too, is that what you're saying there in that situation, you're, you're thinking of like, how can I help and do the right thing right in that situation? And it's crazy that, if you were to help and do the right thing, you could have gotten in so much more trouble yep. and it juice wouldn't have been worth the squeeze. And the right. better thing is to, you know, to leave, which sucks, which sucks, right? Like doing the right thing is more dangerous than what, you know, then actually what would have you know what i'm saying like because yeah, just... in the moment i wasn't even thinking that
4: this dude's nuts i don't know this cat i never seen right. him
0: before
3: here
4: and i'm not i'm i'm really thinking like this dude's got a gun on him right that's yeah. what i'm really thinking in my head yeah and, and my natural reaction is like yo i'm gonna yoke this kid up yeah and then I, my feet got real hot <laughs> dude i thought my my feet were sweating immediately <laughs> and i started to get like you know what I mean? And I've been in them situations in prison where I'm like, you know, whenever you go on a mission in prison mm-hmm. and I ask people this on my channel, and you know, I've been on a few missions in my life, right? It was the same feeling where my feet got hot and, and it's like, I can hear everything. I'm like, it, it's just really, it's an intense feeling. And even in prison, man, when you got to go stab somebody, you're like, you know, maybe I shouldn't even talk about this on here. But in that moment, I try not to talk about my personal stories on my channel. You right, know, right, but, right,
3: right.
4: And I do have a little PTSD,
3: man. Yeah, but yeah I'm sure you do.
4: You get them feelings dude and i had that feeling that day where it's like it's intense my heart's beating my feet are sweating and yeah. i'm thinking i'm gonna do something to this dude and in that split moment dude i thought about my wife and i thought about my kids and i said man maybe i better just leave mm-hmm. just leave Fuck the mail i'm leaving mm-hmm. and i made that decision but uh, the other part of me really wanted to grab them, but had i grabbed them this kid really don't have a gun and yeah. they're like oh he's a you know he's a mental health patient he's always in here you're in the wrong you should have never put your yeah. hands on this guy
0: yeah and you're he, and you're an ex-con and violent yeah. and all that bullshit. Yeah. Yeah.
4: yeah i'm thinking i don't even I, I don't i don't know this cat but it's not even about you said doing the right thing yeah it's cool to do the right thing and help other people but i was worried about me in that moment you know what, yeah. what i mean Yeah, yeah. I was, it's hard to think about you
2: it's hard okay. to think about you rather than like go with your natural instincts mm-hmm. that's like I think that's like learned behavior because mm-hmm. everyone's natural instincts, you have to fight it because now the world is looking at you negatively because mm-hmm. you're a criminal. Yeah. Like, come on, we all are. But yeah, like, yeah. you have to think about your family now. And that's really not easy.
0: Yeah. Kind it, can can agree more? yeah plus too you like right away your boys are going through your mind and all like th- that's the shit. like before when you were young and reckless you'd be like oh whatever I, you know but now when you got your wife you got your home you got your family and your boys like all that shit flies like dude that shit flashes through my mind like say i got a daughter i got a three-year-old daughter right say i'm driving right and i get like something on my phone i'm even like fuck don't look at it because you know like Like you shouldn't be taking your eyes off the road, like just simple shit like that. But it goes through your mind because of like, you know, before I'd have been like, oh, what the fuck? You know, Like now, but now it's like you got people depend on you You can't be doing that shit. So that's
4: my you know, that was my thing, dude. I never never in my life did I ever have to take care of anyone. I took care of myself and, you know, in prison, of course, you know, our our group of people, you know, I would try to make the best decisions that I could make right in Mm -hmm. prison. But I was never never had to really be responsible except for myself. I knew I had to make sure that I ate. Mm -hmm. Now I got to make sure that my kids eat. I got to make sure that the mortgage is paid. I got to make sure that, you know, they got clothes. I got to make sure there's days when I don't want to work, but I got to bring my ass down here in the office and I got to work, bro. Mm -hmm. Because Mm -hmm. if I don't work, then they might not eat. Mm -hmm. So that's, you know, I'm focused on them. I love them with all my heart,
0: man. Oh man, dude, they are literally. I love them too yeah, <laughs> yeah. L- literally dude i remember like and i've said this before like when me and my wife were together and like she's pregnant and i'm thinking i'm like man there's no way i could love anything more than i love my wife and then i have my daughter and i'm like who the fuck is my wife you know what i mean like you're like i love this like this little baby now has replaced anything i ever thought i knew what love could be you know and that's cute I,
4: I love my wife too though yeah, this is
0: my wife man oh, my dude. wife you're a lucky man, dude. you're very talk about out kicking your coverage golly <laughs> you 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 and Justin got a couple yeah things you in and common. justin
1: <laughs> and just just like yeah v, v would wait for me V would wait seventeen years for me she, she probably would because would not. she's
2: perfect,
3: <laughs> yeah. Justin,
2: no, she would,
0: Matt. Justin's uh, Justin's girlfriend's been on the show. Her name's Veronica, and everyone was amazed that they actually date. And, did like, you uh,
1: Did so, you like, like, like keep in contact throughout the years in prison, or like you you got out and you were just like, hey, you single? You saying like
0: <laughs> keep in contact with your with your now wife? Okay, oh, dude, yeah. you want to know
1: the craziest stuff, right? Okay,
4: so I end up with forty years. She's got to go on with her life, right? Right. Gone, yeah, so, you have to. You know, you can't wait forty years for me. No, So she went on with her life, man. She met someone and. She ended up getting married, and wow! And, and the crazy thing, and and you know, I love her with all my heart, and we had a lot of dreams together, right? Mm-hmm. So I come home from prison, and she contacts me, and I'm sure. like, hey. you know, I looked, I had checked out her on Facebook and seen that sure. she's part of the um, neighborhood watch team, and I'm thinking, damn, what does she work at the police department? <laughs> like, so. So and then I just left it alone, bro. And eventually she contacts me. And I'm and dude, honestly, man, I told her, Look, man, I love you. I'll always love you. Um, but you know, you got a family, man. You gotta go home and be with your family and just forget about me and you know, go on with your life. And it seemed like that's what was gonna happen and, and it didn't. She kept coming to my house like, Hey, I just wanna talk to you, you know. Yeah. She was my wife, dude. She was the love of my life, bro. And, yeah. you know, it's crazy because eventually she ends up telling her then husband, like, you know, and I even talked to him and I'm like, dude, I, I don't want your wife. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you guys have your life. Yeah. But and you did live that. Way. And it hurt me to say that. You know what I mean? Because yeah. she wasn't the love of my life. Mm-hmm. And eventually, man, she says, look, you know, I felt like this was, you know, I hate to say this, but this was my real husband and this was the life that I was supposed to have. And wow. I'm having these feelings and I can't, I can't do this. It just, I, I feel like i i have to go here wow dude i pushed her away dude a thousand times bro and i know dudes are probably like yeah sure you did 100 percent, bro i said look you got a family man just go home man just go home she's in my parking lot in my house at like <laughs> nine at night like where are you I want to talk to you. And I'm like, look, man, just go home, man. I'm in my house. Just go home. Uh,
0: You're also like, I just got out. Like this could go, you know, like I'm, yeah. Like I I got needs, you know,
4: But (laughs) but anyway, you know, eventually, you know, she does what she's, you know, we, we end up together. We get remarried. And like I said, we got two little twin boys. She's the love of my life, dude. I love her with all my heart. And I feel that, you know, the feeling was, you know, the same way on her part. And dude, she was with this dude for like 15 years, bro. You know what I mean?
0: That is an absolutely incredible
4: story.
1: That I is, mean, yeah, for, yeah. I mean, for us, maybe not for him, right? But, no, not for that guy. But for yeah, you, right, right, yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's like well, Castaway. Like, remember, like in that Tom Hanks. Uh, you haven't? I don't know if you saw Castaway while you're. I president. haven't seen it. No, I know what Castaway is. So. Boy,
2: like, but like, Wilson! yeah, like he,
1: yeah. Yeah, yeah. He, he's lost for so long that like his wife moves on, and like rightfully so, you yeah. know. Like, and you, you, can't blame you, you didn't
0: blame her. You didn't hold a grudge. You were like oh. telling her, like, "Come on, yeah, girl, like I know where I'm going. I don't expect you to." No, wait. I'm not
4: gonna lie to you, bro. I was a little hurt over it and I did hold a grudge and honestly
3: yeah I'm gonna keep
4: it real with you bro I was immature right yeah but for a long time I was angry inside about the whole situation because I, yeah. like, I was married and I couldn't understand at that young age and with an immature mind that this girl has to go on with her life she's a pretty girl yeah. good girl she needed to go on with her life and eventually man I would get over it but I never I, I wouldn't say I, I got over the anger Mm-hmm. But I never got over her, bro, as crazy as that sounds, right? Mm-hmm. In prison, you live the same life every single day.
1: Yeah, yeah, you're still there.
4: When I left, I was 24 years old when I left. When I was in prison at the age of 35, I was still playing basketball the same way I played at 24. I was still benching 350 pounds. I I still feel like I'm 24 years old, bro. You yeah. know what I mean? I feel that way. Um, That's crazy. So, so for me, <laughs> it's just, I don't know, man. I. I never honestly do it. I never got over her when I won my case. Yeah, granted my case. Yeah. I told my boy, man, he's been in Victorville at I said, bro, you think she'll ever want to talk to me? That was, <laughs> I hadn't talked to him about it. He was my he was my, my right hand man. He was my partner, my homeboy, right? Yeah. Said, look, man. And he was an old He's an older guy. He's 58 years old. I'm gonna bring him on the show. Yeah. He's wise, a very wise older guy. Been in prison 20 years. He, he got mm-hmm. out now. Um, He said, look, man. He said, "I'm gonna be straight up because I'm your friend." He said, "Man, you gotta go on with your life. She's mm-hmm. probably not gonna contact. Her. Mm-hmm. Let her live her life, man. She's got a family, you know this. Let her live her life, bro. You yeah. Go on. You're, you're, you know, you still look a little young. You're still, you know. And back then, when I got out, I was 209 pounds. I'm 240 now, but um, nice. I was, I was all right, bro. You know what I mean? I, I was, you know, you're working was,
0: out every day, every doing day. all this shit, yeah. So, you know, it was like,
4: he's like, just let her go, dude. And I was like, man, you're right, bro. But she was the first thing I thought of when I won my case. Like, I'm going wow. to I'm gonna get to talk to her. And then when I got out, I'm thinking, damn, bro, she's got a family. Leave her alone because right. all it takes is one phone call and you're, right. you're hit. You're going right. back. Yeah. To jail. You're harassing these people, these good people. Yeah. You have yeah. <laughs> a chance. And I'm like... Yeah, I better leave her alone, dude. And I did. I just, I just let it go. And within three months of me being home, she had found out the police had called her before I got out and let her know like, Hey, this dude's getting out, man. Cause they used to think I was like a crazy ass dude. Right. <laughs> I've always been a good hearted dude. I've done some bad shit in my life in prison. Right, that's right. prison life, man. Right. Um, That did I, did I do some bad shit in the street to people. It comes with the territory, right? I have right. done some bad shit to people and I regret it. And I don't
1: glamorize
4: that shit. I don't glamorize being a drug dealer. Um, my YouTube channel, like, I, you know, I tell people all the time, YouTube doesn't pay my bills. I own a paralegal mm-hmm. and prison consultant firm. I do YouTube because I want to, man. Mm-hmm. It's therapeutic for me. It's therapeutic for other people. Mm-hmm. And the mission is to save kids from life, imprisonment, and premature death in the streets mm-hmm. through our stories and experiences, man.
0: Yeah. And I, I firmly believe that you do that. You do preach that message of like, this ain't a glamorous life this, I did this because I had to, I had no other option, right? Like you do, you do put that word out there and that is impressive. And it's a good thing that you're doing that too. And dude, you do a great job. And like I said, link will be in the description of your YouTube channel, but we, we talked a little bit about you, you know, you were cock diesel coming out, coming out of the, you know, getting out. What was your workout routine like while you were inside?
4: Man, I worked out by myself every single morning, right? I would go out in the morning The first thing i would do is i would run two miles that's just my little warm-up where i got done with like just doing
0: laps in the yard you like mapped it out to two miles yeah i
4: mean like let's say like when i was in raybrook i think the track was three times around was a mile right
0: okay
3: that would just
4: be my initial thing i'd do that then i go over there hit the pull-up bar the dip bar after that dude i'm gonna bring a dude on my channel that was my workout partner and our our workouts were were nuts they were intense right yeah um after that man i do a bunch of burpees I would do matrix Ugh. burpees. You know what matrix burpees are? No, Where are those? Okay, so you got a you got a, a medicine ball, right? Okay, you throw it against the handball wall, okay. and you're okay. probably about ten, a little further, about fifteen feet away. Okay, you would throw that ball on the wall, right? And it's heavy, dude. What is it like, twenty pounds? Yeah. To the wall, you go down burpee, two push up burpee. By the time you get back up, the ball's back. Ugh. back the wall. I hate it, um, dude. I was I worked out pretty hard, Dudes Used to even even in prison, dude. I used to eat like I like to eat, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Yeah. Dudes were like, dude, if you just ate clean, bro, you'd be, you'd be an animal because I did, man. I worked out like, like a champ, dude. Yeah. So I would get done with the burpees and then I would go over and hit a little bit of the weights. And then I would go in, man. But that's how I spent my mornings for many, many years. Did I get out like this big dude out of a magazine. No. Did I have a little six pack. Yeah. Um, was my cardio on a hundred? 100%. I would do these other things too, where, you know, we get in a, we got a circle, you know, you know, like on the basketball court, the circle at the top where the yeah. foul line's at.
0: Yeah. Top of the we key. would get
4: on that line and that circle. And we'd be going around in a circle, moving, you're moving, you're moving, hot feet, we call it hot feet, hot feet, and say, and and go down, boom, you go down, two push-up burpee, you're back up, now you're going the other direction. But you might get up right away, right, and go down again, boom, up, down again, and now you're moving, you're moving. And these were five-minute rounds, and that's what we would do. Um, Even running the track, we'd be running the track and say, you know what, hey, get down, boom, you drop down and you're doing three burpees, you're up, you're back running, drop, you're back doing three burpees, you're running, you might run a quarter mile, boom, you're back down. Mm-hmm. you might run 10 more steps boom you're back down so but dude there's i've been with dudes where workout you'd be like wh- there was this dude that was a former marine that was at um F- fmc lexington okay He had a, he had like some wild terrorist shit, dude white dude right yeah like, he went across seas and like got involved with like you know those people over there yeah um, no disrespect to the muslims but and dude he did some terrorist shit and he ended up getting like 60 years in prison yeah this dude would be out there working out for four hours straight, dude. I'm talking about come over the top of the pull up bar, rock yeah. on his back, no hands, get back up on his feet, rut, and always worked out with his boots, man. And them boots will kill your feet. I never seen a dude work out like this. We mm-hmm. had another dude from Connecticut named Shooter, man. And they called him Shooter because of his basketball and his hockey. Yeah. This dude would do uh, what the hell were them bur- uh, pull ups? He did Murphs, the dude from the Navy. Seals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That Ma- on his back.
0: Mike Murphy, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
4: He'd do them Murphs and no, no disrespect to Murph, but this dude would probably blow Murph out of the water, bro. Oh, I bet, I bet. I did. I I did a, a course with them, and I used to work out every day. I did one lap in this course, which took about forty minutes. Right, mm-hmm. one lap.
3: Mm-hmm. They're
4: doing four, and dude, uh, after the first lap, I was like, I had to lay down, bro. I laid yeah. on the I laid on the picnic table and told him, dude, something's a matter with me. Yeah, I was like, I was really fucked up, man. And these dudes, yeah. and there's another dude. He owns a gym now in Cleveland. It's called 316, 216 Strong. Yeah, A guy named Castro, bro. I mean, rip. Like the dude, this dude was like an animal, <clears throat> and his workouts, dude. He used to CrossFit. He was the king of CrossFit, dude. Yeah, king of CrossFit.
0: Do you ever miss that? Like, do you ever get the like now that you're out? Do you ever get the urge to like wake up and do some stuff or no?
4: Oh, I mean, I work out now, dude. I I, I messed up, but I'm back. I go through bouts, man. Getting back okay. on track. This is my boy right here from Cali. You see this dude? Cali, oh, twenty five years in prison. How old do you think that cat is?
3: Uh,
0: maybe 50. I'm
4: so confused. He's like know, 65. He's, this used to be yeah. one of my workout partners. 65.
1: He's got, the, yeah, he's got yeah. the body of a 40 year old in the face yeah. of a six year old. Yeah, he's <laughs> a former, former
4: NLR Nazi lowrider, put a lot of work in, stabbed a couple people in prisons in California, but now he's a full fledged Christian dude. He did 25 years straight, man. I'm going to bring him on the show. But that well, dude actually- was a workout animal, dude.
3: Yeah.
4: He works out every morning out on the beach, then goes to his job, his carpenter job. I think he comes home from that and then he works out some more
0: yeah dude is it like when you're working out inside is it like the thought is like i gotta you know stay ready don't gotta get ready kind of thing like and if you're not working out if you're someone that isn't working out are you considered like a mark like they're gonna come after you
4: i mean dudes don't just feel like hey i'm gonna do something to this dude you know what i mean but there'll be a reason or it might be a a reason like you sat at the wrong table
3: right right?
4: You know, there's a lot of fat dudes in there. There's a lot of dudes that are unhealthy. Sure. There's sure. cars like, I mean, like keeping it real, dude, there's Mexican gangs in there where it's mandatory. You better work out. Um, I've been to prisons where, you know, even with us in Big Sandy, like our shot caller required you to work out. Dude. So yeah, you better, you better be ready, but you want to be ready anyway, because you don't want to die in there. So yeah. if you want to work out. You want to make sure you're healthy. You want to make, you know, I've seen so many people get beat up, right? Tough guys get beat up because they run out of air. I'll give yeah. you, a, I'll give you a little oh. example. Yeah. I mean, and that CCA in Youngstown, Ohio, right? Big fat kid, man. He's punking his celly and all this shit. His Sally's a little skinny kid from Cleveland. Not really a troublemaker. In jail for probably selling, you know, a half ounce of crack and dime bags with a pistol.
3: Yeah.
4: He's punking this kid. And, you know, I'm, I'm cool with the kid. I talk to him a little bit. It's not racially segregated there. I haven't been to federal prison yet. Yeah. I'm like, dude, man, I don't like bullies, bro. I never did. Yeah. I'm like, punch that kid in the face, man. When he's sleeping, crack him with something. You know what I mean? yeah at the tv watching the tv for real i gave him advice walk up and whack him you know what i'm saying you can't beat him whack him so one day he slapped the kid in the day room and this is a true story and the kid was you know the kid was embarrassed so the kid gets up and he's fighting with this kid they're fighting probably 30 40 seconds that's a long time in a a jail fight for dudes that are just off the street yeah and the dude's kind of beating the little skinny kid up and then he gets tired what do you think happens when he gets tired he can't breathe and that little skinny kid man this kid, kid looked like an Ethiopian kid, right? He beat the, I'm telling you, man, he beat the dog breaks off this kid. Damn. And I was so happy that he beat the shit out of him. It made yeah. me feel, but yeah, the dude ran out of gas. Next thing you know, he's on the ground. This kid's kicking him in the face, everything. Oh man.
3: Yeah. But Stay. you know
4: what, man? The dude slapped him in front of everybody and kept treating him like he was, you know, like, like didn't he didn't have a shit. choice.
0: Didn't have a choice. That's yeah. It. Yeah. Stamina makes cowards of us all, man. That's the truth, brother. You know? That's it. Damn. So, I mean, those workout regimes, like, did you ever think for your channel of putting out a workout video?
4: I put a super burpee on my shorts. It got like 2.5 million um, views.
0: Yeah, damn.
4: This kid did a burpee that you couldn't even, he's a Serenio, right? Dude, this is the best burpee i ever seen in my life.
0: Was it a Serenio? What's
4: that? He's a Southsider, a Hispanic gang member.
0: Okay. All right. And okay. so he does, uh, like just the cleanest what two push up burpee?
4: No, dude, this dude does a backflip in his burpee. All kinds of stuff. what? Golly, dude. you gotta go I, check it out. It's got like two point five million views, dude.
0: I've seen the one. There's this one dude, like, uh, like, uh, uh, gosh, I'm blanking on his name, but he's like a big, like, he's an ex-con workout guy, and he does. He's like huge. Right, he's probably like maybe two two sixty. Right, just all just yoked, and he does these burpees, legit. Like he's like a big big guy, and it looks like he's like on a Dude, trampoline. Like how is about this guy's it. in
2: like jail Olympics? <laughs>
0: yeah, I would do that's something too. Like, would you say when you were in Fed because all the guys are like in shape and everyone's working out? Like, would the fights there, like on average, be longer? You think than like a normal street fight would be? Um, yeah,
4: I've seen some dudes really. I've seen some dudes get it in where you're like, "Damn, bro," you know what I mean? Fuck. But um, you know, dudes ain't really skilled fighters. Not not a lot of dudes. True. I mean, you watch a UFC fight, and you're like, "Damn, a good UFC fight." Like Stephen Bonner and Forrest mm. Griffin. Oh, I mean, you're not gonna see street. a fight like that in prison. But yeah. I've seen I've seen some pretty good fights, and I've seen dudes fight for a long time. Damn. But when you're in a maximum security prison, there's usually a, you know, it's a weapon policy, bro. If you're in a maximum security prison, most of the time, people, are there fights? Yeah. But are mostly people stabbing? Yes.
0: That's crazy, uh. too. Like, in in the book, which we'll have a link in the description, Blood on the Razor Wire, in your book, you say you're 24, imagine this, guys, 24 years old, sentenced to 40 years, you got the black box on your hands, you transported to a prison that you know is like the most dangerous prison going. You get in there, and the guards are telling you, "All right, you better get a knife." First day, first day, they're saying, "Hey, mm-hmm. grab a knife, buddy. Good luck." You
4: Don't know, get no tattoos on your face and get a knife. That's what that's
0: that's crazy, right? That's crazy that the guards telling you that they're like, "Look, we're you know, if it gets out of hand, we might step in, but get a knife just yeah, for You, that you, has you to know. Be long.
4: You no, know, a knife will keep someone off you, man. You know what I mean? Nobody yeah. really wants to get stabbed. I mean, True. are there some crazy dudes in there that'll rush you? Yeah. I mean, if you've got a knife and we're coming to get you, someone's going to grab you. True. I might get stabbed grabbing you, and hopefully it's not in the heart, but I'm going to grab you, man. But for for a, I know I, most people, it'll keep people off you for a little bit
0: yeah yeah it's a deterrent for sure when you're and then you talk about this too uh, because johnny mitchell so your episode on the connect johnny mitchell that's where i found or that's where i saw you first on uh johnny mitchell talks about you know when when tensions were high in the prison everybody in the showers has got their boots on right and you told him you're like yo that wasn't just at tensions were high that was all the time you're always rocking your boots Right. All the
4: time. man. You go to the shower with your boots on. Somebody stands out. One of your homeboys will stand outside the shower and watch you. Mm-hmm. You got your knife with you on the shower. Mm-hmm. I used to hang my knife right on the lanyard, right on the faucet where you turn the water on. Right. Wow. And some prisons got a push button, but I just hang it there. You got to have it, dude. And then when you get out of the shower, you dry your feet off. You got mm-hmm. shower shoes on. You dry your feet because you carry your shower shoes with you to the shower. Mm-hmm. You dry your feet off. You put your boots on. You walk back to yourself. Mm-hmm. You get dressed now. You go watch your partner while he goes to the shower. You oh, hold him down.
3: Damn,
0: dude, that and like to also too, imagine like trying to find a guy you trust enough to watch your back right. while you're in the most vulnerable position you can be in in the right. shower, right? Like even that's pretty scary. What? What was your? Do you? I mean, I don't want to get you in trouble, but what was your knife made of? Like, what did it look like? You
4: can't you can't get me in trouble? It's been a long
3: time. Okay, <laughs>
0: I've, I've
4: had various knife knives, dude yeah um, usually man a piece of steel out of the bed you know you can cut it out with nail clippers you can cut it out with beard trimmers which they took out of the prisons now you know that blade you just saw away with that you know with that blade and oh, you shake shit. your knife how you want it um one of my one of the best knives is an ice pick well what we call ice pick you might get a steel rod out of the ceiling inside the kitchen and you know what you you sharpen it down to a point it's like a big long ass nail dude and that's it it's, wow
0: man it's it's crazy how inventive. Yeah. When we had when we had Eddie Rappel on the show, he uh, got convicted of second degree manslaughter and he had to do some time up in Connecticut. And he would tell, you know, he was telling the stories about how they were cooking and things like that. But the ingenuity that comes into play in these situations is like in next level, incredible, like the way they're using things like he would talk about how they would hook up like they would take pull out the outlets and hook up shit in there and then put the ends in water and use that as like that's what they would cook with it was almost like a like a crock pot you know what i mean and you want to see you... my
4: you want to see what my boys made oh this is my old celly right did I you see, for have you. have you seen
0: it. the the bussin channel there's this dude uh he he just he's out but he makes like Cheese and, like, all these different things that he would make in prison. I'm taking right.
4: you to federal prison real quick. I'm going to show you they made a pizza oven with a grill on it where they were frying chicken on the top, and they were making pizzas in the pizza oven.
3: All right. Oh, golly! <laughs> yeah, look at it. We here. We got
2: real light ovens and all this. <laughs> oh, <laughs> my God. <laughs> no,
3: we, we ain't live. We ain't live. We just that's Where my that's, get that's my
4: that's one of my old cellies, dude. He's in a he's in a prison, and they built this metal box. They got a heating element that they put inside of it. Yeah, they yeah. hook it to the wall, right? You yeah. pull the light switch off, you hook it on there, and it, it heats up, and you know you're making a pizza in there. Um, I've seen, the oven, dude. Some of the best, one of the best prison pizzas I ever had. This dude made a pizza oven. He would put toilet paper buns underneath his bed. Right? The bed's still cleaned it all off. All the paint's off there. It's clean. Yeah. And he made this cardboard box with aluminum foil. He would heat up underneath it and it would be all enclosed and he would make the pizzas in there with real dough. And right. they tasted like a real dough. How do you a,
2: get pizza real, dough?
4: Oh, well, you just steal the flour and stuff out of the kitchen. People sell shit out of the kitchen all the time. Oh, okay. wow. Dude, I was in prison with a dude that made about 40000 I know this sounds crazy. He made about $40,000 on his books from stealing shit from the kitchen in Raybrook. Um... He's a legend, dude. He's he's a cell cider. He got out. I, th- I heard he's back in on a murder case. But uh. this dude made forty thousand stealing peppers, onions, oatmeal, flour, <laughs> raw meat. He he was the butcher. You know, when you're the butcher, Damn. dude, you're stealing raw meat, dude. You're selling this shit for you know. You're making a hundred bucks a day. As crazy as that sounds, and it's a lot when you're not in a position where you could really spend it.
0: Yeah, put it on yeah. Your book. D- that's crazy too. Is that like you're? I mean you know you're you're buying and dealing all this stuff what was your job that you had when you were inside i'm sure you you had to have all of them right (laughs) well you mean by from the prison yeah yeah like what was your
4: i had a bullshit job man to clean the microwaves and shit um towards the end of my (laughs) bid, yeah towards the end of my bid man i used to clean the bathrooms dude for like nine dollars a month right and i used to spend thirty dollars buying my own supplies to clean them but i used Um, to use that bathroom uh... so me and my partner that i'm gonna end up bringing on yeah, that, that's what we did. We cleaned it up up there. I lived on an alley called crack alley. Right. It's yeah. like 350 dudes in one unit. It was at a at a low. I ended up making it from a maximum security to an FCI to a low, but it took me 18 years. Right. Okay. But my last nine months I spent in a low security prison. Uh-huh. We lived on what was called crack alley. These dudes would come up there. They'd smoke K2. I don't know if you guys know what that is.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
4: Prison K2. They call it Tucci. Really, a lot of it was bug spray on paper, right? So they would give you a piece of paper the size of an eyelash, dude. And it was rocking these dudes. And they'd be down there in that last bathroom because there's only one cop for 350 people, right? Yeah, Cops not walking up there. These dudes are in the bathroom, falling out, puking everywhere. They're on Ugh. this shit and they're like, and you're like, what the, f-? <laughs> you know what you're, I mean? And they paid to do
0: that shit. Yeah.
4: And, and man, dudes are dying in there. Damn. People have died in federal prison, smoking this shit. Damn. And really, you know, a lot of times what it was, people were saying was bug spray.
3: They yeah.
4: Bug spray. And if you ever see a, a roach or something get hit with that spray, they're like,
3: that's exactly what it
4: would do to the people. Wow. I mean, th- these dudes would sell everything they
0: had. They wouldn't even have soap and deodorant because they were Damn,
3: so my deep gosh. Crack, man. Damn,
0: that's incredible. Wow. What do you, I mean, besides the were you able to cook anything while you are in there or you, you were just like eating what other guys were cooking?
4: What? Of course, man. I was the <laughs> chef, bro. I, uh, uh, we had microwaves in federal prison and then they, you know, they took them out a couple of years ago. Uh, um, but dude, I mean, we've deep fried. We've been locked down where I've cooked with, you know, plastic garbage bags, putting corned beef in there, putting rice and boil it inside the water where we hooked wires with with a nail clipper. Mm-hmm. I've used a nail clipper. You drop it in the water, it's hooked to the light, water starts boiling. You put your food in these (laughs) plastic bags, you drop them in the hot water. You don't, hey, listen, man, some rice with corned beef that's just been sitting there. It's like a prison crock pot. Yeah, yeah. um, I had a boy, man, this kid Biz, right? He's from West Virginia. If he's watching, man, shout out to Biz. This dude was a cook, bro, that was his hustle. He used to fry chicken, dude. He used to fry Snicker bars. Dude, he fried burritos with roast beef and cheese in them. Whoa. Uh, dude, they used to make these chimichangas, bro. Dude, they dude, they make good food in there. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah. Don't think for a minute that they don't because, yeah. you know, we eat good. And, you know, I had a little money, bro. I, I was, you know, jailhouse lawyer. Yeah. So I made good money in prison. Yeah. And I had a connection that worked in the staff kitchen when I was in Raybrook. Mm-hmm. And, dude, I have ate shit from, like, the store lunch meat that – they went and bought like dudes would steal it Uh, (laughs) i mean we ate good bro. i I ate chicken that you would be like holy shit
0: (laughs) you'd be like damn how'd they get this in here what uh so you're in there right like and you said it was like the last 10 years of your sentence is kind of where you were going to got you got your degree and you were spending more time learning and going and like and like studying and things like that. Was there a moment in time that you're like, I'm fucking, I need to turn this around. I need to hit the books. Like what what happened that you're just like, yo, fuck this. I'm I'm doing this now.
4: From the start, I was on the law stuff, right? Because I felt like, man, ain't no one gonna fight for my life like I am. True. So I got into the law books immediately. As soon as I was arrested, bro, like I'm reading this shit. I'm you know, I'm semi intelligent kid, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm reading this shit and I'm fighting for my life. And eventually I end up in a in a prison where we're locked down. We're in Coleman, USP Coleman in Florida. Okay. And this kid's like, yo, bro, I know you're always in the law library. We're locked down. He sends me a kite. Can you help me? Because my jailhouse lawyer is in another unit and I got to write this reply. And yeah. I've been in here 20 something years. Yeah. I'm like, dude, I don't really know, bro. I'm not, you know, messing with other people's legal work. You know, I'm not confident in helping other people. I'm confident in helping myself. Yeah. So eventually he convinces me to do it. And I do it for like $30 in like hygiene products. Right. Yeah. I have this shit and I win. So as soon as I win that, we come oh, to the shit. and and there's another dude that he's down there for, you know, uh, reverse sting robbery shit, right? They're pulling mm-hmm. people out of cars, carjacking them in Florida. Mm-hmm. I do his post-conviction
3: mode. Okay. And I
4: win that. So now everybody's talking about me. There's another kid there that I'm really close with. I'm working on his case now, again, Um Adaris Mazio Black. He ended up with a life sentence, man. It was a cartel case. A couple people are killed in the case. He, had a, he went to Mexico, had a face transplant. Um, Whoa. So, had his finger... Prince taken off, wild wild case. He jumps out of the uh, out of the van, he kicks the he tells them, "Look, if you guys take me to this allegedly, if you guys take me to this storage shed, you know, there's a couple million dollars there. I'll give it to you, man. Just let me go. Just let me go." And they're like, "Dude, we can't, we can't do that." He kicks the window out on the highway, 65 miles an hour and jumps out. He gets he gets fucked up pretty bad.
3: Yeah, he, I bet.
4: Dude from Detroit. So I ended up working on his case and, you know, that just brought other people in, you know. Yeah. So, you know, that's that's what I did, man, and, and, and I started to turn my life around around that time, and mm-hmm. then when I made it to an FCI, I was in USP Lee, and this black dude, he comes up to me, he becomes one of, he's one of my best friends.
0: Uh, what state is USP Lee in? It's in Virginia. Okay, so I'm okay. In, I'm
4: in a maximum security prison in Virginia, mm-hmm. and this dude's like, yo, man, I see you out here on the yard, man, you're hustling, you got a little influence. He's like, what are you going to do when they change the law, man, and they bring back parole? You're going to go down there and tell them you got caught with a knife, that you've been selling heroin in prison, that, you know, you've been... The shock caller, is that what you're going to tell them? Because if so, you're not going to get out. And, you know, in jail, I would buy anything that people had from the street. Like I had a white G-Shock watch. I had Oakley sunglasses. Yeah. You know, anything that people had, like I wanted to still feel like I was free. True. He said, you can have all that shit, man. You can have the nice watches, new sneakers every time they come out on commissary you can have it for the next 40 years or you can start working mm. on getting out bro he said come to this class so i went to this class that he was teaching right like the work yeah. him teach the class to the staff and to the prisoners, called leaders breed leader i checked it out i talked to him like all right man yeah you know i see you know thank you bro for you know letting me come down here and all of that shit and eventually i end up leaving that prison shortly thereafter right mm-hmm. i end up getting in some shit kid tries to hit me with a, with a with a rock and a net bag he owed me money and tries to hit me Oh shit. But then a few years later, I'm on the bus. And guess who's on the bus with that dude that told me about parole? He said, Hey, man, you remember me? I said, Yeah, I remember you. He said, Man, you're on your way to FCI. You must have turned some things around. I said, Yeah, you know, a little bit, stayed out of the way. He said, They're going to change the law soon, man. What are you going to do? And I was like, Man, I'm get my life together. I'm going to an FCI. And he is the dude that motivated me to write my judge. And I wrote my judge. You know, I got a job in the education, started working down there for about a year. And he said, Write the judge. I said, I ain't writing the judge. He said, Man, write the judge, man. Tell him all the good shit you're doing. Yeah, so I did, and the judge wrote me back. Wow! So when the judge writes me back, he says, "You know, you were always a smart kid. You know, you just channeled it in the wrong way. You know," he said. Yeah, I wish the best for you and keep pushing. So that was the start of me getting out of prison, man.
3: What motivation?
4: And wow! So, and, and then I end up going to going to school. I get a job as a law clerk. I'm working in education. Mm-hmm. I help write the reentry program over there. You know, it started to feel good to help other people. Now I kind of felt like, even though I had 40 years, I had a purpose now. Yeah. I think, yep. you know when I do get out, I'm gonna be 60 years old, man. Yeah. So I started to educate myself because when I get out at 60, you know, I started thinking, well, I'm gonna get a hot dog cart, I'm gonna do maybe I can go work at a law office, <laughs> my mom yeah. will be gone, my aunts, my uncles. Yeah. I'm gonna be sixty years old getting out of prison. I came in at twenty-four. Yeah. And I used to think any type of social social integration, it's probably over with. How mm-hmm. can I ever communicate with people in the world? Yeah. But anyway, eventually everything that this guy told me, Cedric Dean, he's from Charlotte, North Carolina. He's mm-hmm. doing big, big things. Good um, shout out. Dude, this dude's phenomenal, man. People can Google Cedric Dean. Perfect. Charlotte, yeah. North Carolina. He ran for mayor down there and everything. After doing mm-hmm. 25 years in federal prison. Golly. Uh, and God. in a couple God. movies, wrote over 30 books. Um, He's got a contract mm-hmm. with the feds now for housing prisoners that are getting out. He owns his own mental health um thing. He, he's doing big, big things. What an
0: incredible guy. Wow. That's everything incredible. Everything that Cedric
4: told me turned out they changed the law. Yeah. And eventually me writing my judge, sending them all the stuff that I was doing. Eventually it played a part in the judge saying, you know what? I'm going to find that there's extraordinary and compelling reasons in this case. One is your rehabilitation. Yeah. I've never seen a federal prisoner do as much as you have done in prison. So one, your rehabilitation is an extraordinary and compelling reason to reduce the sentence. And the change in law, although it wasn't retroactive, Congress said that these laws are wrong. Yeah. They weren't supposed to give you 25 years for a second gun yeah. in the same <laughs> indictment. That was meant as a recidivist enhancement, right? When you go to federal prison, you didn't learn your lesson. You got out of federal prison and got a gun again. But what they would do is law enforcement would use it as a tool to really bang you. They let your your house get busted with drugs and a gun, let you go so they can catch you again within a couple weeks with another gun and drugs. So now it wasn't just five years and 10 years for the drugs. Now it was five for the first gun, 25 for the second, and 10 for the drugs all stacked. Wow, that's how they were eliminating people dude that's
0: incredible
4: the judge believed in me man and you know all bullshit aside i got out like i said i got remarried i got kids my you know the first year i was home now i wasn't even home a year my judge had wrote me january fourteenth, two 2021 right and said happy that i was doing the right thing yeah three months ago he invited me my wife and my kids to his chamber yeah i was actually in the judge's chambers and he told me i went out on a limb to help you he said you wrote me a letter years ago that said you would never let me down and never disappoint me he said keep doing the right thing man don't disappoint me don't let me down
0: dude that's incredible too that's like think awesome. of this story think of this as like a story arc you couldn't fucking write this right you're a young kid you get busted by this judge later on right you were on the one side where you're getting prosecuted right now you're on the other side where you're doing like you're the defendant you're helping the defendant right you know what i mean like you're well, you know today Today,
4: I want another case today, right? This dude. God
0: bless you, man. That's dude awesome. had,
4: had a life sentence. I posted it tonight on my Facebook page. I mean, there's a couple murders in the case. He went to jail when he was like 16, 17. Yeah. Been in prison 28 years. Wow. Um, he calls me, needs some help. I do his case. I win it. Now he's going to get resentenced. He says, hey, I need a sentencing memorandum. I put that together. Yeah. We get that wow. filed. And today, the judge, well, a couple of days ago, the judge granted it. The government was kind of appealing it. And today, I think he got out around, he was supposed to get out today around 5 o'clock. I haven't checked, but um, he's out. He's getting out. And whether he got out today or it's tomorrow, he's done. He's going to be incredible. home for Christmas.
0: Dude, legit. Oh, you wow. change fucking people's lives doing that, man. That is fucking incredible, dude. Wow. Well, I,
4: I, I try, man. I told people when I got out, I'd be the voice of the voiceless. This is what I did for the last 10 years in prison was I went to that law library every single day. Yeah. I learned the law. I was able to do things that lawyers can't do, right? I'm able yeah. to sit in the law library for 10, 12 hours a day and read and yeah. learn, Um. You, know, and you were voracious you were voracious
0: guy. with it you wanted it so like they're going if you're a guy going to law school you're you're doing the law but you're thinking about partying afterwards you were so right. committed when you're in this library you are just enveloped in learning this right like you're just going so hard at it
4: well no one was going to fight for my life like i was right Amen. and i used to tell people they used to think I was crazy. I'd tell them, man, I'm getting out. And they'd be like, and I said, man, if I don't believe it, no one else will. So I got to push every single day. I don't care if I write a letter to a congressman. I write a motion. I send a you know, a letter to the judge. I, I do a program. I'm doing something every day to try to get out of prison. Mm-hmm. I got 40 years. I'm getting the fuck out of here,
3: man. Yeah. yeah. And there
4: were times, dude, I'm not going to lie to you. There were times when I'd lay in my bed, man, and my heart would start racing. I'd be like, damn, man. And when I hit 40 years old in prison, I was like, fuck, man. I'm never going to have kids. You know, what the fuck, man, I'm I'm trying to get out of here. Mm -hmm. And, you know, one of the most disappointing things in my life was, and let this be a reminder to people that are are watching, right?
3: Yeah.
4: You know, I had done some clemency petitions for people, and I got this kid, you know, he told me in the morning, yo, man, I got clemency. I did his clemency petition. He was a blood. He had been involved in stabbing some people, got caught with knives, major blood. He's like, no, they gave it to me, bro. And then later that day, I'm like, damn, man, they still didn't give it to me. They called me on the loudspeaker. My case manager was looking out for me. A lot of people liked me, man. They cared about me. Like, damn, yeah. man, this dude deserves to get out, right? Yeah. So they called me on the loudspeaker to go up to see the counselor. I'm, I'm out on the yard or in the gym, something. No, yeah. so I think it was in, I think it was in the law library. So I'm like, damn, man, this is it. They called up here for me, and I get up there. And the case manager is just like, it makes me emotional, bro, to even. She's like, I'm sorry. They denied you, you know? And I'm like, damn, man. I just thought that that was my moment. I just got this yeah. dude out there that was stabbing people. You know what, what I mean? What a letdown <laughs> I'm God. getting out and I go up there, dude. And she's like, I'm so she felt sad, man. Yeah. And I shook it off though. I'm like, ah, don't worry about it. It's all right. But really, that shit hurt me, man. Well, it dude. That, and I'll Obama. Tell you. Yeah. And Obama could have let me out, man. You know why? I proved that he should have let me out. I've been out here almost three years, man. Yeah. I'm married. I own a home. I own two businesses. Um, I take care of my kids. Yeah. I live a law abiding life. I try to help people. He could have let me out back then, man. And he yeah, did. Yeah. So, you know, is that, you know, listen, there's a lot of people that should have got out. There's people that deserve to get out of prison more than I did. That yeah. are still sitting in there. You know what I mean? And yeah. I mean, it, part of yeah. it. you'd be yeah. amazed at how many, you know, there's a guy, Ian Owens, deserves to get out. He got the same type of charges as me. Stack 924 he has got like 300 years. This dude deserves to get out of prison. I want a case for a guy, Chazzy Glenn. Chazzy was sentenced to life. He was one of the originators of one of the blood sets in New York City. Young kid, grew up messed up. Parents are drug addicts, getting beaten. Mm-hmm. Um, his brother commits suicide, and you know he's in the street at fourteen years old, trying to find something to eat. So, what do you think he was going to do with his life? Eventually, he becomes a leader of a, of the Bloods, right? Yeah. Um, one of the you know one of the leaders, and two people end up dead. Mm-hmm. I end up winning his case, dude. But he spent twenty something years in prison. I get his life sentence reduced to thirty five years. He still got like six years left.
0: But still, he's got a future at least.
4: He's going to get out before, you know, two months ago, he was going to die in prison. Now he's getting out and sick. Yeah. And I so- bet is
0: he in, in like in now that he knows he's getting out, has his whole mindset changed of like, I'm going to clean up my shit. Like, I'm going to stay tight. Like, I'm not going to go crazy. Like, he's being a bit more well-rounded, I guess, I mean, I guess inmate now knowing that like, I'm not fucking this up six years i can like you know yeah i think um he's no longer a
4: gang member he's a really intelligent dude a a well-respected dude Mm -hmm. and yeah he's getting you know he's getting a second chance i want another case for another guy that was in the same prison as him Mm -hmm. 18 years old involved in a gang Mm -hmm. um they end up killing someone his judge denies him a couple times i do his shit. he's going i posted it on my on my youtube on the community page
3: Mm -hmm. he's
4: going home man and that this dude was like a full-fledged christian out of the gang life, Um, real good dude, educated, got a college degree in prison, teaching classes, teaching Spanish GED to brothers that don't know English. This dude changed his life, man, and now he's gonna get out of jail. His name's Noah Spina, out of Missouri. So Noah gets a second chance at life, and this is a dude that really deserves to get out. Um, I got a guy today, man, that I just did his case, John Brown, been in prison 30 years. Mm -hmm. Um, A meth case, nonviolent drug offender, been in prison 30 years, he's 62 years old, He's like the preacher in prison, teaches Bible studies. Um, they denied his compassionate release, but we're shooting for clemency. This dude deserves to get, he's been here 30 years, bro. He came in at 34, and I think he's 62, 63.
0: Yeah, what kind of shit is he going to do now? 63, you know, like, Jesus Christ, the guy's done his time. Golly. Let me give-
4: let me give you an example. Right. I wrote an article. I used to write for criminal legal news and prisoner legal news while I was in prison. That was another one of my jobs. Right. Is that
0: is that like a, is that a prison paper or is that something uh, you can get on the outside? Oh, You
4: can get it on the outside. It's a big publication. Right. OK. Um, so I'm a staff writer for them. Right. They pay me to do articles. So they send me this article that they want me to write because Lester Holt went into a prison in Louisiana. OK, Lester Holt goes into into this prison and I got to write an article about it. And He's talking to this old man that's in a in a bed and he's like he's he's dying. Right. And he's 80 mm-hmm. something years old. Been, been in prison 50 years, 45 years or some shit. Yeah. And he tells Lester Holt, asks him to help him open. It. He can't even get his candy open. He's trying to eat a candy. Says, you know, help me. And Lester Holt walks out of out of the hospital room. He helps him, I think, get his candy and he walks out. And he's like, why is this guy still in jail? He can't even open a piece of candy. What harm can he call? Yeah, yeah. And that's what people need to understand because sometimes when I win cases, people will write me, people threaten me and all kinds of shit, right? Yeah. Um, But what people don't understand is when people are rehabilitated, why do you want to waste your tax dollars on, you know, over incarcerating a guy that's, you know, 80 years old, man, let him go home man. let him let him go to a. you pl- don't even know what a home is, yeah. let him go home and spend his last days there, you know, Um. you're wasting tax dollars over incarcerate people. Some people feel you just got to put this well they killed someone you got to put the screws to them you got to smash them yeah the kid was 17 years old, his mother was a crackhead. He didn't have an upbringing he didn't have food to eat. He did rob somebody. For, and he killed someone. And should he be punished? Yeah. But should he die in prison? Should he spend 50 or 60 years in prison? Probably not,
3: man. man Probably
4: you're... not. We have to look at the circumstances. Should there be a get out of jail free card? Fuck no. People should go in there and have to change their lives. Mm-hmm. Prove to me that you deserve to get out of prison. Mm-hmm. And then we let you out when you're not going to be a threat. You know what I mean? Most yeah. people that have done a lot of time in prison, 10, 15, 20 years, most people get out and appreciate their freedom, bro, and they're never going back yeah you know i don't give a dude if i would have got out of here and had nothing and had to collect cans to stay the fuck out of prison or work at mcdonald's i'm gonna do it
3: yeah hell yeah value
4: my freedom man
0: hell yeah and there's what, so many more people like that what was when you got out what was the first thing you did do you remember um got some food <laughs> <laughs> yeah where where do you remember where you went or no
4: i i you know i used to see these commercials for a meat lover's stuffed crust pizza back in the day <laughs> <laughs>
3: i used to
4: be like dude i gotta have a real pizza i don't even like pizza no more i eat so much pizza i don't even want to eat it and, uh, but yeah, I got a uh, stuffed crust pizza. And then this other kid told me he was from, you know, I got out in Kentucky and I know I, I'm from New York, but I got a little bit of a Southern accent. You know, you can probably hear it, right?
3: Not really. You know, yeah, I bit. can hear it. So,
4: But my, my family's from Indiana and where I'm from, we do got a little twang. I'm from, you know, upstate New York. Yeah. Uh, Western New York. So uh, my boy's like, man, you got to go over here and get this chicken, man. But you don't even need no sauce for this chicken. And I'm like, all right, man. So that night I went and got some of that fried chicken at, like the soul food restaurant that they had in Kentucky. Right.
3: Yeah. And I'm like, man, this
4: chicken's phenomenal. And he was right. You didn't even need sauce. And then once I get home, I'm, I'm thinking, damn, I'm going to get some food from Sal's birdland. That's a, a famous place where we're at.
3: Mm-hmm. I
4: used to, you know, be like, damn, man, I want to eat that. So when I go there, it was almost the same exact chicken. You don't even need sauce. Damn. But so now I went from two Oh nine to about 240 right now. Bro. Hey bro, <laughs>
3: Who Who could, you shit. know,
0: you need it, man. You got some time to make up for it. Nice. You know, what, Are you uh...
2: back up in New York now?
0: Yeah, I live in yeah, I live in Western. Yeah, you're Rochester still or Rochester suburbs. Nice, nice man. The world, hey man, look at you now. You're out, love it. What I uh... have a
2: question about when you came out, like, what were some major differences? That you noticed? Like, I know you said you like stayed up on fashion and stuff like that, but like, what else was different? Like, I know cell phones, like DVDs, like, okay, so I don't know, Swedish fish flavored vodka. Like, what are the what are <laughs> things that you noticed that were just like totally crazy?
4: For me, when I got out, one of the craziest things for me was when I went back to my city, it looked like a third world country. They had cameras oh. on the, on the pole. Oh
2: yeah. Um, cameras. One of the
4: first things I seen in my city was this dude was just on the middle of the sidewalk on the main strip at like 12 o'clock in the afternoon, taking a piss. And I'm like, what fuck. the fuck? And then I seen people living underneath the bridges and flying signs. And I'm like, oh, I, that wasn't here when I went to jail. Right. Um, the street lights, like they counted down for you now, as far oh, as a yeah. cell phone went. When I went oh. to jail, I had a sprint flip phone. The so now when I get out of jail and I see these phones. I'm like, this ain't a phone. I told my boys, this ain't a phone. It's a computer with right. a phone on it. Right. Yeah. Right. You know, there's a phone inside of this. So that was a little bit um shocking. You can order food like from your table on a computer and pay for it. Yeah. I had a hard time like being around people, going into stores. Um, yeah. I was embarrassed to use my bank card. Cause I didn't know how to use it. I didn't want people to be like, I had oh, it. Yeah. Someone was like, what are you stupid? I was, like, oh. I was like, motherfucker. I just did 20 years in prison. I don't know. You know what I mean? Yeah. But <laughs> I, could, I always wanted cash. And my wife was like, you know, you're, you always want cash. I said, yeah, cause I don't want to be embarrassed if the card don't work or I don't know how to operate yeah. it. And it's so, it's so simple now, but for a person that's never used one or ever been in that position, it's like, you know, you're nervous. You don't want to be embarrassed. You're yeah. people I want, you know, when I got out, I'm watching people. So.
0: Yeah, I remember. Dude, I remember the first time when I used the, my card for the first time. Uh, they were like debit or credit, and I said credit, and it didn't work. I was like, I guess it's debit then. Let's try debit, and yeah. then it worked. I was like, what the fuck? I, you know, like it mm. is embarrassing. I'm with you. I love having cash. I hate fucking doing the card, but you know, it is what it is. Another Jana. So this is an incredible thing. This is. I'll tell you, Chad. When I heard this, this was phenomenal. So Chad here, he's out. Right, he gets out, but uh I guess I don't know, I don't want to speak out of turn, but someone there was someone responsible or had had some sort of responsibility for you going in. You ran into that person and Uh then had them on the show, right? Yeah.
4: I interviewed the dude that that wore a wire on me and started (gasps) the case.
0: Can you fucking believe that? (laughs) Yeah. You saw, he had like a flat or something, right? Huh? He had like a flat tire or something, and you saw him, or like car trouble or something yeah, like that? Yeah,
4: he, he was trying to wave people down for a, uh, this was the second time that I had seen him. He was trying to wave people down for a jump. He was just copping a bag of dope, and his truck oh, his truck, oh wouldn't God. I'm like, he's, I'm like, is that Donnie? And I put the car on reverse. He's like, hey, man, don't, you know, don't hurt me, don't. Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah, yeah,
4: yeah. I said, you said that shit to me on a recorder before, bro. Like, I'm not here to hurt you, man. Yeah. And then we talked for like an hour, hour and a half. And he's like, dude, I want to do an interview. He knew about the YouTube channel.
3: Yeah.
4: And, you know, we sat down and we talked. And I and I tell people, dude, I really did change my life. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And you know what? People that aren't sincere, it only it don't take long. I mean, you can't fake for a long time. Eventually right. you are who you are, right? True. And, you know, I had this animosity towards this dude. Yeah. And for me to talk to him, it kind of like lifted the weight off my chest, bro. And I didn't want to be nasty to him no more. I didn't want to you know, there were times when, you know, I wanted to do some bad, bad things to this dude. And yeah,
0: of course, I of course.
4: some wild things. And now I'm like, you know what, man? I felt remorse for him. You know, he's still using drugs, mm-hmm. 120 pounds soaking wet. Jesus. I felt remorse for that dude, bro. And, I, you know, you, you hear people all the time say so it was like a, a weight lifted off my chest. And I yeah. guess I never really understood that until I interviewed this dude and talked to him. And I'm like, I'm not even mad at this dude no more. Like, like it was like naturally gone. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, I'll tell you what, he
2: could be on my show, but I'm still gonna put Visine in his drink when he's not looking. Uh, I need a little bit. I need to do a little bit. So of- yeah. well, I can't tell, you know, I can't tell
4: people like to do the right thing on my channel and say this is what the mission is. If I'm you know, if I'm harboring like, you know, if I'm not living the way that I'm true. talking, then I probably shouldn't be on there, right? Because true. My mission isn't just to get on YouTube and make a whole bunch of money. It'd be great if I did. Sure. But um the mission is a little bit different. I don't need YouTube to pay my bills, man. I make really good money. You know what I'm yeah. saying?
3: Yeah. So,
4: you know, that, that's just part of like, I don't know, man. I feel bad about taking from the community. I feel bad when I meet a kid from New York City and I take a liking to him and he can't read and write. He can't wow. even read his own letters. He can't fight his case. And he's got 40 years because he doesn't know how to read and write.
3: Yeah, you know, tough. he was
4: caught up in a drug conspiracy with two guns and he's wow. got 40 years. God. So that's why I try to, you know, do what I can to give back yeah and you know another thing i don't know if you know this but the person that ended up representing me right i filed my stuff pro se was john gleason john gleason was the guy who prosecuted john god he's the yeah. guy that gave the deal to sammy the bull gravano right he's a prosecutor he ends up becoming a federal judge for 22 years he steps off the bench this dude's loaded bro he doesn't have to do this yeah he steps off the bench to help you know people that are in my position with stack 924c he felt like as a federal judge he was smashing people that deserved a second chance. He was one of the founders of what's going on now, right? He was one of the people that laid the groundwork in a case called United States versus Holloway. Holloway did some carjackings, ended up with 50 years, and Gleason was the judge and he felt bad about it. He had stacked yeah. 924 C's and he told Loretta Lynch, who was the US attorney at the time, she would later become the attorney general for um Obama. Yeah. Look, I want you to open this case and let me resentence this dude. He's been in there twenty years. He changed his life. He's rehabilitated. They said, no, we ain't doing it. He said, well, I'm going to have to reconsider some of his other filing. And then they changed their tune, and they said, okay, you know, this is a special case. We're going to open up the case and let you resentence this guy and send him home with his family. And that's what he did. And Damn. shortly thereafter, he steps off the bench, and he starts helping guys like me. So he gets involved in my case, you know, and uh, he helps me do it. And I'm forever grateful to that dude. Him uh, and one of the other lawyers, a chick named Marissa Taney
3: mm-hmm. that
4: worked over there, Elizabeth Costello. Like, I got nothing but respect for for that girl right there elizabeth yeah like She was like she really helped me and there's another lawyer named harlan protus he was the lawyer on the holloway case right that gleason mm-hmm. ran it. yeah it was like a father figure to me man one of the best lawyers in the country i actually interviewed him on my channel um just a genuine good guy one of the best lawyers in the country yeah he came to represent me i found out what real lawyers were man and I'm, <laughs> I'm forever grateful to them but isn't it crazy like this dude was a federal judge and he came and
0: represented me and yeah
4: uh, prosecuted john Gotti.
0: Dude, it's unbelievable. People helping people is a beautiful thing, but when you see things like that, it kind of restores your faith in humanity. You know what I mean? Like that shit really, he really like they had no he had no reason to want to do that except to help. Like that's incredible. So you kept you keep saying this thing. Now it's not for me, uh, but probably for like the Justins of the world. You keep saying stack nine twenty-four Cs. Can you kind of explain uh, what those are?
4: Yeah. So before they pass the First Step Act, right, like I said earlier, the police would let you go, right? They they find a gun. So a stack 924C is this. 18 U.S.C. 924C is possession of a weapon and furtherance of a drug trafficking crime and or a crime of violence. So for the first gun, if you just have it, it's five years. If you brandish the gun, it's seven. If you discharge the gun, it's ten, right? Let's say you do a robbery and you discharge the gun in the bank. That's a mandatory 10 years, not counting what you're going to get for the robbery. Shit. So now every consecutive 924C, and this is where the stacking comes in, is 25 years. Now let me tell you the crazy thing about it. I had a friend named Weldon Angelo. He ends up getting out. Trump pardons him. He's, you know, doing big, big things, helping people. But what happened with him was, let's, I don't know exact the exact weights. He sells you an ounce of weed, right? Okay. He's got this nine millimeter on him. Boom. That's five years. The next week he sells J-Dub. He sells him an ounce a week. He's got that same nine millimeter. Now it's another 25. So that's five for the first one, 25 for the second. He's at 30 right now, right? Yeah. Now he goes and sells your homegirl an ounce. Yeah. The same gun. That's another 25. He was sentenced to 55 years. He got like- For the same weapon. For the same weapon. He got one day for the marijuana, right? Yeah. 55 years for the same gun, 5, 25, and 25. And they're stacked. In so my that's... case, they bust in a house. I'm not at that. They bust the house. They find a 12-gauge shotgun. That's one 924C for me, right? That's five. Yep. On top of whatever I'm going to get for the drugs, right? About a month and a half later, they bust another house. They find a 22 rifle in that house. So now they got stacked 924Cs. They arrest us, and they charge us with a conspiracy. Oh so wow. now I get 10 years for the crack as my mandatory minimum. Yep. The first gun is five. So now I'm at 15, right? They're stacked, 10 and five. <laughs> and now the other gun, the 22 rifle, is another 25 years. Yeah. So now I got 10. 525 I got a 40 year sentence that's my mandatory minimum wow. the judge could not go any lower than that even though he's the federal judge he does not have the power to go less if he
0: wants to Damn. for for two guns that was in a house that they raided yeah incredible wow when you write, when you put it out like that that's i mean i can see why the law is fascinating that's pretty yeah. like that is interesting when you put it like that you know when you I guess when you stack it all together. Is it because like
2: the guns weren't registered or you didn't have a permit? Is that the
3: reason? No, none of that.
4: I mean, you could be, you could be, I've been in jail with guys that had license to carry a gun, but was selling crack.
3: Yeah. So so just
2: because there were drugs involved, they bring the guns in.
3: There was
4: this
2: kid that I used to write about a lot,
4: right? He was out of Pennsylvania Hmm. and I would write articles about him and I would use him as the example. Young kid, poor, living in the street. He's robbing like pizza joints. Yeah. He robs, like, five of these pizza joints, right? And he gets away, and he gets away again, and then he gets away. Then they're like, oh, this is the guy. We figured it out. We found him. We got him. So now he gets five years, 25. His name was Jamel Azell, right?
3: Okay. So they
4: give him, like, 200 years. And the judge, eventually, he gets his sentence reduced, and he gets out after doing 20-something years. But, I mean, this is a kid that was robbing, you know, Domino's Pizza for 30 bucks. (laughs) He ends up with 200-something years, man.
3: Right.
4: So, I mean, that just goes to show you, like, you know, some people, you're like, damn, man, this... These guys got to be off the street. They're robbing pizza joints. Like the dude has no money. That's what a petty crime he was he was committing, right? Yeah. Because he's young, ignorant, making bad choices. Yeah. But eventually he goes to prison, educates himself, gets a GED. Think he might have got some college, a bunch of programming. And the judge believed in him and released him. But, you know, it's sad when you got kids out here that are, you're too dumb. And I hate to say, mm-hmm. you know, not a, about, but yeah, he was dumb. And I usually like to use myself. I was a dummy, right?
3: Yeah. Um,
2: but
4: he was a dummy, man. He's, he's there for 30 bucks.
3: Yeah. Get oh. The so do, do, you, gas do you
2: think that they tried to make these? Because that seems like so much, right? You get so much time for robbing Domino's pizza or whatever yeah. you said.
0: But it'd be the same you if he think, robbed the the you know a bank. You know what I mean? It'd be the Like they lump you, it together. But
2: do they think? Do you do you think, in your opinion, that they try to make these big things happen at the beginning to try to sway people from not doing crime or mm-hmm. like?
4: Listen, I don't I don't necessarily believe in that, right? You know, a lot of times I think it's just a job for people. Like, hey man, are committing crimes. This is my job. I'm gonna I'm a cop, mm-hmm. and I'm gonna do what I gotta do, and I'm gonna put your ass in jail. Yeah. um you can't live in a lawless land like we just had a 12 year old shot and killed in my city last God night we had damn. a 12 year old girl a 16 year old girl and a 20 year old kid shot um they just killed two cops and uh killed one cop shot another cop in my city about three months ago so you can't damn. live in a lawless land there has to no be-
2: but if there's someone that's getting a murder charge and then there's someone that's getting a domino's pizza robbery charge for 200 years and the murder person's not getting that much. Like, how does that make any sense? It doesn't make any well, sense.
4: Like I talked about that Holloway case, right? In that mm-hmm. case, I believe it was Judge Gleason that spoke about the average sentence for murder at the time in federal prison was 235 months, 19 years, seven months, right? Some, okay. Somewhere in that area. Yeah. And I had to give this guy, you know, 60 years and he didn't even kill anybody. Um. Back then in the, in the Weldon Angelos case, the judge advocated for him wanted to help him get out he changed his life he said he said you know today's a horrible day i have to give you 55 years he said a terrorist that blows up a plane would get less time than you his minimum yeah. was, his maximum was 20. a guy that you know abuses kids you know his minimum was less it was 15 years at the time yeah. a guy that killed someone his minimum at that time would average sentence would be 240 months or whatever yeah and he talks about all that in the decision he said but here i have a guy that sold marijuana With the same gun three times and I got to give him 55 years. Jesus. But if I had a terrorist in front of me, the most I could give him was 20.
0: Damn. See, so you're, it's just that they, the, the laws and rules that they have in place are, I mean, they're just, they're like, you're saying, Janet, that they're extreme to deter people from wanting to commit the crime. Right. I'm
2: asking if like that makes any sense to anyone because I don't get it. Like when I I hear when I hear like stuff like that, I don't understand why someone like that would get so much time and a murderer would get like eight years. Like I don't Mm. get. Well, let let
4: me give it to you. Right. Because it's not about deterrence. Right. Mm -hmm. Sending people to prison for 50, 60 years isn't the best deterrence. There's science on it. There's a whole lot of factors that go into it. Right.
3: Right.
4: A deterrence, because you know what happens is when you go to prison for that long, it becomes a part of your life. Yeah. And as crazy as this sounds, it doesn't bother you as much in your fifth year as it did in your first year. Yeah. It doesn't even bother you as much in your 15th year as it did in your fifth year. Because yeah. this is your life. Yeah. Like me, I lived, you know, every day and I wanted to get out of jail. And there were only, you know, towards the end, there were times where I was like, I told you I'd panic sometimes. Yeah. But sometimes I didn't even think about the street anymore. Sometimes it was just, you know, it's just my life. And once in a while I would get like, damn, I want to get out of here. So, it, I mean, it's, it's not the biggest deterrence. I believe this. I believe that you can take a guy and you say, look, you want to sell drugs. You want to carry guns. You want to do a robbery. Your sentence is 20 years, right? They give you your sentence, 40 years, 50 years. But we got this program and we're going to let you out in eight years. We're going to get you some character education. We're going to get you a high school diploma. We're going to get you a trade. And we're going to get you a college degree. We're going to teach you how to pull your pants up. We're going to teach you how to comb your hair in the morning, make your bed, be responsible. And if you don't want to get out of jail in eight years, that's okay. we got a place for you. We'll send you over to Big Sandy. You want to be a gang member?
3: Yeah.
4: You You want to stab people? we got a place for you. We're going to send you over to Big Sandy. And that's where that shit's happening at. We're going to send you over to USP Pollock. We'll send you to USP Lee. But we're going to give you a second chance. Prove to us that you deserve to get out of prison. But at the same time, you have to also change the culture inside. You have yeah. to change the cops. Because them cops are vicious. They're nasty. They're brutal. They believe that their job is to impose punishment. Not all of them, but a lot of them. Dang. Your job is not to impose punishment. The punishment comes from the core. You think you have to go in my cell and destroy it. You think you got to say, hey, get on the wall, motherfucker. You think that you got to beat me up because... I disrespected you because I told you "fuck you," you know. Yeah. But really, a lot of times, people that tell the cop "fuck you," it's because the cop says "fuck you" to me.
0: Yeah,
4: Um, it's so reactionary. You have, to, yeah. you have to change the culture. How do you do that? You put fucking body cameras on these people and hold them accountable. That's how. You got them on cops in the street. You got them in cop cars. Yeah, put them on prison guards, man. That's not, I'm not a bad. not prison yeah. guards are bad because I'm keeping it real with you, bro. I'm not. I'm not a criminal no more. I've been around cops that were kind to me. I've been around staff members. Like I said, when that lady had to tell me that I was denied, she felt bad for me. You put the bat for me. She wrote reports about me. I've had staff members, you know, lieutenants and a captain, write and say, hey, I believe this kid changed his life. I believe he deserves to get out of prison. And there are people in there that will do that. But there are some vicious people that go out of their way to be nasty to you. They think because you're in jail. Like, I got an email today from some dude that said, you know, I see you're a hug a thug, right, wrote me on my email, blood on the razor wire. And usually I don't do this. Usually I don't respond this way. He said, you're a hug a thug. What happens if, you know, an inmate throws piss or shit on a cop, you know, insinuating shouldn't they get their ass beat? So let me tell you what I wrote him. The first thing I wrote, I wrote, fuck you. (laughs) He said, I am impartial. I call it both ways. And if I was a cop or I was in the street or I was a prisoner, if you threw shit or piss on me, I probably wouldn't care about the job either. Yeah, you got, and he asked me, do do people got something coming for that? And I wrote him back and said, you're fucking right. They got something coming. You throw shit, you shit me down. You know what shit me down is? No. Dudes will put shit in a bottle, right? Let's say I got this iced tea right here. I love drinking iced tea. They shit and piss in here and they shake it up, right? And they're holding it. And they wait for the cop to open the flap, usually with a with a uh, shampoo bottle. You open the flap and they spray you in the face with shit and piss. Shut the fuck, God. <laughs> for four or five days. So that's what he was asking me. And I said, yeah, you're right. If you're a cop or a prisoner, if you throw shit or piss on me.
0: Fucking, you're getting it,
1: yeah.
4: I'm not cleaning it off and, and walking away. I'm going to lose my job. Yeah. I'm going to blast you right in, I'm going to blast you, bro.
1: Yeah. Yeah, but you're not doing that there's probably a reason they picked that i mean i i guess it could still be random but yeah so you're saying like
0: it. it's it's not like they didn't it wasn't out of nowhere like this guy maybe was fucking with their food or something you like don't that
1: save four days i'm not saying shit and piss for somebody who you're not mad at
4: well hold on now. now let me tell you something else there are some mental health patients in there there true. are some true that will throw shit and piss on you for no reason because they feel like they don't like you today damn um, They'll do it to cops. They'll do it yeah, to yeah, other prisoners. So, so anyway, um, yeah, they'll throw shit and piss on you for no reason. I've seen, dude. I was in a prison, right? You guys probably remember this, dude. He he kidnapped that little blonde-haired girl, um, Elizabeth Smart.
0: Yeah. Oh fuck yeah, I remember that. Okay.
4: So that dude's in federal prison, right? He's in USP Tucson. And when they, what they were doing was they were changing that prison from a real prison to, you know, a prison for people that need protection, right? And at first, they would just made it one unit, and they blocked it off. Or you could talk to them through the fence, but you could never get to these people physically, right? Yeah. Um, and there was this kid over there, and we've got these big squirt bottles.
3: Mm-hmm. And he's
4: like, dude, he, this little crazy-ass dude that kind of looked up to me. He's like, dude, I'm going to get this dude, bro. Yeah. And at the time, you know, I wasn't the best dude, and I'm yeah. going to get him, bro. Yeah, get him. So he 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 puts shit and piss in there. He's talking to the dude every day. Hey, what's up, man? And he's getting him to the fence. And This crazy fucker used to put butter on his face and look oh. at look at the sun. And he's like, dude, I'm gonna get him today. And I'm like, fuck it, get him. And he calls him over to the gate, and he fucking sprayed that dude with shit and piss. And the dude was like, pop, pop, Oh, he hit him in the face. Yeah, hit him in the face. Oh, fuck. So the dude that kidnapped Elizabeth Smart—that's a story. He got, he got shut it down. Dude sprayed the shit out of him. He. And when he sprayed him, it was like a hose. Like the dude was like, it was like he was getting shot, but he was getting sprayed. You know what I mean? Jesus,
3: Ryan David Mitchell,
0: I believe, is the guy's name. Yeah, David
4: Mitchell, that was his name. Yeah, wow. David Mitchell, dude,
0: is is that something like I remember? I mean, I had a buddy of mine. His dad did some time in Jersey City, and they said a you know pedophile had gone through there, and it was like real rough for that. Like I know you got a role, but was that something that? Like there's that's that's like a, I think everybody knows that that if you go yeah. in, if P- a pedo goes in there, they're just fucking dumb. You want to
4: see what happens to some of them people ah.
0: you want to see. Uh, do you want me to show you this? Yeah, yeah I, do. I don't care. Yeah, that's just like a the I'm guy kidding. from what from what I was told about Jersey City. They the the guards brought the dude in there, stripped him naked, beat him, handcuffed him to a chair and left his cell door open and okay, stripped him so naked.
4: I'm gonna show you something, so you know. Can you see this? This dude stabbed like 120 times. Jeez, right? Oh, all his
2: neck. Oh, in
4: his Woo! chest. Oh, that's him.
3: Oh,
2: yeah. I can't um, even make that out. That's Ooh. him. Yeah. For, all, for all, you,
0: for everyone Woof. listening, this guy is is butchered. Woof. that's what they call getting butchered in prison,
1: but Yeah, uh, that's that's one of those rods you were talking about.
4: Yeah, oh. um, he probably got hit with an ice pick.
1: Yeah, ice Woof. pick.
4: Jesus, I'm gonna do a story on this cat, man. Um, but
0: but that, but that's like a big thing in prison, right? Like, it's no, those guys are they're done, right? They're
4: it depends on where you're at. I mean, they got places where they're protected. You got when I went to that low security prison, they live among us. Um, because you're at a low security prison. I'm trying to get out of prison. I'm not doing so anything.
0: you're not yeah, yeah, yeah. You're like, um, fuck it. I hate this fucking I despise this person, but I'm also on my way out. I ain't trying to fuck up my
3: shit.
4: Yeah, and you know what, man, you stop living you don't like these people, but you stop living the tough guy life, right? Yeah. Um and you're like, dude, I just that's not who I I'm am done. anymore. Sometimes yeah. I used to feel bad. Like, damn, dude, like I'm I'm not the guy I used to be. And then it ain't
3: your think
0: responsibility why, anyway.
4: Well, yeah, then you start thinking, you know what, I'm glad I'm not that guy no more. I don't want to be in the hole no more. I, I dude, I was in the hole. I spent 14 months in the hole. Oh it, fuck, there's right? times where you know where that will destroy you. Oh. There's times where <laughs> I don't think I ever said this on a video, but there were times where I'd be in there and just start crying.
1: Yeah, fuck yeah. I, yeah. Um, there were if times we, where you know, I if thought we have you know back, gonna... I have so many questions about being in solitary confinement, like how <laughs> maddening. That has to be. I started Jeez. thinking
4: that they were gonna put dogs in there on me, right? Um, I started kind of hallucinating, thinking they're man, they're they're gonna put some German shepherds in here to bite me and shit. And I was going through some shit with the cop, where I was beefing with them. They, I'm not just talking. They were spitting in my food. I was only uh, eating bread, eating fruit. Um, they did some fucked up shit to me, man. Um, at once upon a time, but uh, you know, I, they're in that 14 months. But yeah, it's 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 14, hard, months, straight yeah, 14 months straight in the hole. 14 months straight.
1: God, fucking damn it. I was no. in the whole
4: Whitey Bulger. I used to go to wreck with him every day. With Whitey Bulger? Yeah, he used to. I wouldn't. I, he was cell alone, rec alone. He had to be in his own cage. I was in my own cage, and I would talk to him through the fence, dude. Whitey, because that... they
1: did they, they released him. Uh, what happened? They released him back to like general population, and didn't he get beaten to the... Yeah, they killed him within eight Immediately, hours. Immediately,
0: yeah, because he was a, a he snitched to the FBI, right? Yeah, and yeah. they said that he was a sex. Jesus Christ! Yeah. Well, okay, Chad, this I know. Is you... awesome dude chad i know you gotta run i i i i know that justin Jana, and i are all on the same page but bro we would love to have you back on the show if you'd be willing to come back
4: no problem we'll talk about solitary confinement next
0: oh, time i yes. mean willing but chad before we uh before we get out of here is there anything you want to say to the blood on the razor wire fans and everyone listening
4: um just you know check us out youtube blood on the razor wire tv Yep. We got a mission to save kids from life imprisonment and premature death in the streets. Mm-hmm. Um, I've interviewed some interesting characters on there. Yeah. I've introduced. I've in, uh, actually interviewed a former federal judge. I interviewed Troy Kell, Gladiator Days. He hasn't done an interview since HBO in uh, 2001. We got some pretty interesting content over there. I think people will enjoy it.
0: You got great um, content.
4: My Blood on the Razor Wire book. It's a violent book, but that's the life that I lived. You can find that on Amazon. Yeah. I got some books coming in. I sell autographed copies. My audio book will be out, I believe on Friday. um okay. I narrate my own book, nice, but I also narrated it and put videos up of my book on my channel. Yeah. I think people will be interested, and you know I definitely appreciate you guys having me on, and I wish the best for all of you
0: no, Chad, Thanks, you're yeah. awesome man. This was so this honestly, not only was it like great to talk to you, but this was enlightening and inspiring, man. I'll tell you what you're doing is you went from you know, fighting for survival and doing what you can to legit providing a service that is bettering the world and bettering the existence of humanity. And that's something you should be very proud of, man. And it really is an honor to have you on so you can share your message and what you've been doing, dude. Thank you so much.
4: Thank you. I appreciate you
0: guys. Of
1: course. Of course.
0: Justin, anything you want to say before we get the hell out of here? Nah, this this was
1: awesome. Yeah, was you check out great. blowing the razor wire. I like. I, I feel like I've said like three things this whole interview. I <laughs> I, I can listen to you all night. Yeah, it's fantastic
0: nice uh Janae, name on baby. anything you want to say before we get out of here
2: um thank you chad everybody else i'll see you tonight
0: love it speaking of seeing you tonight this has been another episode of the working perspectives podcast i'm matt Lavelle, accompanied today by jalen dubb justin Richardson, the heart stopper janna and our guest today is the incredible the amazing the madman that is chad marks in case you're wondering you can find all our stuff and all our content and all podcast platforms and youtube at working perspectives podcast you can also on instagram at working perspectives podcast you can join us on the twitter and the ticky talk the working p pod if you'd like to be a guest on the show please email us at workperspectivesgmail.com and please like subscribe so we keep bringing you this sweet sweet content thanks for listening stick around for the ad read thanks see you. Scott & Bell Publishing gives authors 100% creative freedom and a higher royalty split. They can be found at www.skotbell.com. That's www.s is in Sam, k is in Kite, o is in October, t e is in Tom, b is in Boy, e is in Edward, l is in Larry, l is in Larry.com.